Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kulositev, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm Mina, your host today, and I'm joined with Kathleen Coble, not Jacqueline, guys. And Kathleen Coble is a good friend of mine. She is also an Amazon expert. We are a dream team when it comes to Amazon, I feel like. And I met her a while back. It's been a year, a good year. Hasn't it been? Who knows? It's a blur. Yeah. It's been a over a year or so. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so I'm gonna let her introduce herself and talk about her business. Sure. Thank you, Mina. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I love it, of course. Big fan. So my name is Kathleen Coble, and I run a consulting agency where I help businesses launch their products on Amazon. So we do everything from launching new products to maintaining stores to listing optimization, running advertising. Everything that your typical small business owner doesn't quite understand and doesn't really need to understand because Amazon is, while it's just, it's a very important um, e-commerce platform for most businesses to be selling on, it's not their primary one. So companies hire me to handle their, manage their Amazon stores and, and make sure that they're set up the right way, complying with Amazon's terms and all that good stuff. And I also teach other people how to do what I do as well. Awesome. So today's episode is going to be all about demystifying Amazon because I think that you're right that people get really intimidated as far as like the size and the sphere and all things Amazon, right? We don't need to tell anybody how important it is to be on Amazon with the billions of people that are, you know, the billions of dollars that are being spent on there. So we won't go into that. I think we should jump right in and talk about some things that maybe will help demystify Amazon altogether for those who want to start. So are you ready? I am so ready. Let's do it. (laughs) So Kathleen and I have been talking about how this episode is going to be all about nerding on Amazon. And even if you're not ready to get on Amazon, it's very important for you to have this in your mind. You know, is this a strategy you want to go with? Is this something you want to put a pin in and think about later? So it's good to even think about it and have it in your kind of long-term plan if you're not planning to do it even right now. Okay. So number one, demystifying Amazon is it's actually really easy to get onto Amazon. So I'll let Kathleen tackle this one about how easy it is. I mean, really, you just need an account, right? A bank account. Basically, you just need to be a human being. Breathing, breathing. You sell on Amazon, yes. Uh, They make it pretty simple for you to sign up for a seller account. And then in order to actually sell on the account, you need to show them a bank statement and some form of personal identification so that they know you are a legitimate human. And that's really all you need. Obviously you need a product, but it can be your own or someone else's. And I know we'll talk about that a little bit more later, but it's pretty easy. It takes about 10 minutes to sign up for an account and send in your info to get verified. Amazon wants you to sell. 
I mean, that's probably the easiest thing <laughs> to do on Amazon is to sign up for an account and get started. Yeah. And they do two different plans. So even if you're not selling initially, they will just take a cut of what you're selling. So you don't have to pay that monthly fee of $40 or whatever it is. So you don't even need money up front. No money down. Right? Yes. Isn't that what people say? Yes. No money down. <laughs> Free to Drive join. off the lot. Okay. So that's the first one is that 10 minutes, all you need is 10 minutes and your bank account actually, I think, doesn't it have to be a US account though? So if you're, if you're a international seller. Yeah. yeah, If you're selling in the US on Amazon US, it does have to be a US bank account. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that sell, like they might be in the UK or in Canada, but they do have, they sell on the US platform because it's much bigger as far as sales go. And then you know, they diversify by going to the other platforms. Okay. So number two, it's not too late to get on Amazon. So what do you think about this, Kathleen? Is it too late? What do you think? Oh my gosh. Amazon is only growing exponentially. It's definitely not too late. You know, there are certain products and categories that may seem saturated. You know, I, I probably wouldn't open a cell phone case, uh, Amazon store <laughs> because there's about, or a fit, uh, what is that fidget spinner? Yes. Yes. Or fidget spinner, you know, any of those things that uh, lots of people sell that are kind of commoditized at this point, I would stay away from that. But if you already have a product-based business and you're building your brand, whatever you're selling is unique to you. Even if it's similar to other things that are on the platform, it's still unique to you and your brand. And there is, it's never, never too late to get your brand on there because if you don't, eventually someone else will. Uh, so it's important that you claim your brand on Amazon because it is an open marketplace, but there are new sellers selling, signing up every single day, new products being listed every single day. It is certainly not too late. Yeah. And even thinking about cell phone cases, right? So there's plenty of people that still buy Apple, you know, accessories and Apple cell phone cases because they've built up that brand loyalty. So basically what you want to do is you want to get onto Amazon to make sure you're claiming your own customers. You're claiming that brand loyalty. Otherwise somebody's going to be selling, you know, whatever brand it is, whether it's Kathleen Coble cell phone cases or whatever it is, you know? <laughs> so eventually you will have to rep represent your brands, but I think it's great to have your own customer base so you can pull from there and really fuel your listing. Absolutely. So next, uh, next demystifier is to really simplify your strategy. So getting onto Amazon, I kind of jotted some ideas down here. I put that people should list on Amazon build their brand off Amazon and push that external traffic to Amazon. And this does several things. Like, first of all, you can't just list it and expect people to come. Second, it prevents people from like counterfeiting and knocking off your brand. There will be similar brands like what Kathleen said. I mean, there's just probably going to be thousands, right? But this prevents them from straight up copying it because you have your own external traffic, which Amazon does reward. And then it's creating your own brand loyalty outside of Amazon, which you can kind of just bring it on to Amazon. And that really is keeping it simple and, you know, just having an idea of what your goal is. And your goal is really to make sales, but it really is to build a brand. Do you have anything to add to that? Or is that pretty much the gist, the simplification of it? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much the gist. Uh, you know, you list your products, you claim your brand as your own so that no one else can. And yeah, keeping it simple is just, obviously you would, you would never take your products off of wherever else you're selling. Amazon is an additional channel for you to grow your brand and to get more sales. And I have so many clients who 
it's like the trickle effect, you know, uh, Amazon, because they're such a large website, you know, they rank very high in SEO with Google. And so it's also a great idea to, you know, claim that first page of Google and Amazon's going to help you do that. Because if you've, if you've ever Googled a product to buy in Google and they're selling on Amazon, you're going to see it on that very first page. So, and, and some people are just very, very Amazon loyal. They want the two day shipping for free. They just only want to shop on Amazon. They might just go right to Amazon and not to Google or your website to find and buy. But yeah, keep it simple. Use Amazon as an additional revenue stream for you, but also use your resources within your business and do direct some of your existing traffic to Amazon to get that sales boost. And you know, like Nina said, Amazon loves that. They love when you send people to Amazon from other websites. They will reward you for that um, in their search algorithm too. Yeah. And a lot of times I use those benefits to my advantage, like that two-day shipping. I'll send those customers that just need to get it in time. Then I don't have to worry about putting it in a bubble envelope, taking it to the post office. It helps me too, because then when somebody's like, oh, I need this for daycare on Monday, I'm like, well, you can just buy it on Amazon. I bet you have a warehouse right by you and they can get it to you. If not in, you know, if there's Amazon now, you know, that's two hours, right? Versus two days, which two days seems lengthy when you think about two hours. I know, right? (laughs) But it is, it's true. You know, I needed a gift for someone like in 24 hours and I specifically bought something on Amazon that I, that would get it there for me. You know, I didn't pick one brand because it wasn't available in 24 hours and I did pick the other brand. So just like you said, that in and of itself is so powerful that you can send your customers there and then you don't have to deal with it or your warehouse doesn't have to deal with it because you already have inventory at warehouses across the country because you're selling on Amazon. Yep. Um, So the next one, speaking of warehouses, this is something that will definitely kind of fold into that. Amazon actually has lots of tools and resources at your disposal. Um, Amazon FBA FBA being one of them. So that's fulfillment by Amazon. What we were just talking about, how there's all those warehouses for you to put your inventory into, and then, you know, they do all the shipping for you. Of course, do they charge you? Um, Absolutely. Of course they charge you, (laughs) but at least it's, you know, a tool that you can use and then you get the prime badge. So what are some other tools that you can think of that Amazon has? Let's see. The FBA is great. The brand registry. So if you have a registered trademark, you can apply for brand registry, which then gets you some additional perks in your advertising platforms. You get to use headline ads, um, which is really powerful. I've seen much more success with the headline ads than the regular ads. Um, and I might, I might be getting a little nerdy right now. (laughs) (laughs) Nerding out. (laughs) Um, but you know, they also allow you to, you know, create this beautiful storefront. So you, you know, you're, you can find all of your products on amazon.com slash your brand name, which is, I also think really powerful that when you're telling someone, Oh, go buy my stuff on Amazon. They don't even have to search for it. They can go to amazon.com slash whatever your brand is, and then have all of your products displayed on this one webpage. Uh, That's a really great feature of the brand registry too. 
Yeah. And then when, when you're looking on the consumer side of that, it's like when you click on a product and you scroll down and they have all this, these fancy photos and everything at the bottom, that's what brand registry is. And now they even have videos for you to use in your listing. So um, the storefront is just exactly what Kathleen was saying about having that. So mine is www.amazon.com slash little labels. So it's a lot easier for me to say, hey, go to this website, which is the one that I actually have right now on my Instagram since you only can use one. And then it looks more legit. It also gives you data on how many people are buying off of there. And then um, you don't have to say, hey, search for my brand name, scroll down. I'm probably like third on the list, blah, blah, blah. You know, it just makes it a lot easier for you to get in front of the right people. And that's another thing too, is that even if you're not on the first page, you should at least be in the first page for if somebody were to go into the search engine on Amazon and put in low labels, you know, waterproof labels. So they're putting the brand name in there. And instead of, because sometimes people will run ads on your brand name and you won't even show up. So that's another thing about claiming your brand, right? You need to get on there. So then if I wasn't on Amazon and they searched for low labels, something else would come up, probably a competitor that you know knew of my brand name. So this is getting very deep into it. But it's all important. It's all important information yeah. to know and purchase yeah. on Amazon. Another thing too is just to be aware of your keywords. So enlisting your, your listing optimization. So that would be your title, your bullet points, your description. What are people going to be searching for? I can't even think of an example. Like if they were searching for a teether, let's say you sold a teether, a baby teether. They would they be searching for a silicone baby teether, frozen baby teether, girl baby teether, you know. So there's so many things that you could put into your listing that might pull people to your listing. Yeah, and I love the feature and, and Google does this to the search term. Now I can't think of the right name for it, but it's when you go to the search bar and you start typing in what people, um, what you think yeah, people suggested. are looking for. The suggested term, <laughs> yeah, thank you. The suggested search terms. Um, that's a really great way to, if you're kind of lost or you can only come up with a few different ways, there's also third-party softwares that you can use to find keywords as well. But that's a really good starting point to find keywords that are relevant, but also those longer tail keywords, which if you're in a more competitive market, you're going to be able to rank more quickly with some of those longer tail keywords as opposed to just, you know, teether. It would be like, like Nina said, you know, frozen teether for girl babies or, you know, something like that. <laughs> that might be a little too long. But. You get that one customer that's searching. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> hey, that's one sale. Still helps. Sale. No one else is bidding on. Right. <laughs> right. So I wanted to go through some terminology, Kathleen. So then anybody would, that was starting on there would kind of know what we're talking about when, I mean, we hear so many things about Amazon and we're not sure what, what we're talking about. So we went through Amazon FBA, which is fulfillment at Amazon. Next is private labeling. This is something that I talk about all the time simply because I started in private labeling. And that's just basically importing from China and putting your own brand on it and then selling it on Amazon. And people used to call this white labeling, though I think that's more back in the day, I suppose. I don't know. So the sellers that you work with, are the, most of them private labelers? Or are they brands that exist that are trying to get onto Amazon? Most of the sellers I work with are brands that already exist that are trying to get onto Amazon, whether they are, you know, some are private labeling, but many have their own patented products. 
that's really common with the people that I work with just because those are the people who really don't understand the Amazon platform and don't have time to learn it either. So I do see a lot more of the patented products, but there's still plenty of private label companies that, you know, like, like say jewelry, you're building a brand around jewelry. Maybe you're sourcing it from China, but you're putting your, your own name on it. So, I mean, really it's, it's very, very similar. Same concept if you were to compare it to say retail arbitrage or, or even just sourcing. Yeah. Speaking of retail arbitrage, that's our next little bit of terminology. So this is when you buy from, I don't know, like Walmart or Target or something on clearance and you resell that onto Amazon. They've kind of put the lockdown on this a little bit with the license stuff. It used to be a lot easier to make money as a retail arbitrager. Not so much anymore because it's more brands that haven't trademarked or you know gotten brand registry it's definitely ones that are not the big name ones that you can resell for the most part, I would say. Now they're just more strict about it. So do you still do retail arbitrage? So I don't do retail arbitrage anymore. I did up until last year and it became more difficult. There were a couple different brands that I had been selling and it just, it became more difficult with the parameters that they're putting in place. And some of the brands that I was selling, they're, they're, manufacturing quality started to go down. So I had a lot of people complaining, saying that I was selling counterfeit things when I wasn't. And it was just taking a lot of time for me to send Amazon all the invoices, you know, showing that my products were legit. And so they really are cracking down on people. They're very, very serious about if any customer says, oh, this is fake. This isn't, you know, the brand. Um, Amazon has no idea. They'll just take the customer's word for it. And so I've, I've gotten out of the retail arbitrage. I also you know, as far as time, time and money goes, Mm -hmm. it's, it's a really great way to start, like learn the process of selling on Amazon and learn how to navigate the dashboard and how everything works. But long-term strategy, if you're not selling your own products, I mean, you're, you're not going to be super successful. I mean, I made good money doing it, but it just became not worth it with the issues that we were having. Yeah. I actually loved doing retail arbitrage. I'm not going to do it this year. I did it last year as well. It was my fun thing that I would always do since I was always shopping anyways. And I would always be in, you know, different Walmarts or Targets anyway. So I would you know, scan the barcode to see if I could resell it on Amazon. And so it was my way of making extra money on the holidays. And I would use all that money to buy gifts. And so it was really quite easy because my strategy was simply to focus on toys. And so I would buy toys. They would always go on sale at Walmart in August around there. And then I'd resell them for the holiday time. And these are toys just from Walmart. I mean, they are the you know, big brand ones. They have since cracked down, but there was, there are certain things that, you know, they definitely still sell. Like, you know, I, I told Kathleen this story about how when I first started out on Amazon, uh, my husband is from a, like a very Dutch town. So all the baby dolls that were being purchased were like the blue or the blonde hair, blue eyes, you know, Dutch looking babies. And so when I would go visit my in-laws, which we would go visit them like twice a week because they live in a fishing town. It's Pella, which is like the sister, like everything's Dutch French. It's very Dutch. And I would buy up all the diverse baby dolls <laughs> and like hoard them in my cart 
cart on cart on cart. And then I'd resell them on Amazon and I'd make really good money. And I'd usually have to keep some baby dolls for my own daughters, but they're not too much into baby dolls. But, you know, because like if you're looking for an African-American baby or a Asian baby doll, it's a lot easier to look on Amazon than it is at your local Walmart. So that was how I was making my money. So if you have a local Walmart and you, you know, have a whole bunch of diverse baby dolls, snatch those up and resell them on Amazon. I'm sure you still can. And so I just took that as like fun money, you know, and I learned so much and I got my sister into it and she was like all about it because she is shopping queen. And so she would find stuff at like TJ Maxx and what is that Tuesday one? Tuesday morning. I don't know what is local to you guys. This is all Iowa stores, obviously. You probably could have made a killing from Toys R Us going out of business, for instance. Right. right. You know? Toys R Us, uh, yeah. Carson Perry Scott, Macy's, they all are just went out of or I know Carson Perry Scott and whatever their, you know, sister stores are. Yeah, like everything was 90% off, you uh-huh. know, the last couple of weeks. And so there is a really good opportunity with retail arbitrage, especially now with all these big stores closing and it does depend on which brands you're going to sell, but Amazon, they, I mean, they still make it pretty easy because you can go use the seller app and scan things. So uh-huh. um, that's a really great point. Uh, your story, I mean, I love your story because <laughs> save, whenever, the baby, save the yeah, baby dolls. <laughs> yeah. well, and, so whenever I would try to explain to somebody new who didn't understand, you know, retail arbitrage and how it worked on Amazon, they would just like stare at me in disbelief and be like, how, why would someone pay more money on Amazon when they could just go to the store and get it for clearance like you did? And I'm like, well, the point is, is that they can't. Either they don't live locally to a store that offers what they want, or maybe they can't get out, or maybe they're like me and they just don't want to go shopping and they would just rather have it delivered to their door. People pay for convenience. And if you Those are the non-moms, I'm guessing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Yes. Many, many non-moms. They, yeah, I... I get everything delivered. I even get my groceries <laughs> delivered at this point because my yep. children are so young and we've had some traumatic instances at grocery stores. <laughs> yeah. Um, I get mine. I do pick up. And then now um, Target has... So if you do pick up from Walmart and from Hy-Vee, you have to wait till the next day. But Target is doing pick up two hours later. So you go into like the curbside, but it's not a lot of food, but it's like fruit snacks and stuff. So if you're like, you know, my kids and they live off of snacks, you're okay with, you know, like Nilla wafers and things like that. Like I need those like right now. Absolutely. I use Instacart and we shop at Aldi all the time. And that's like the big bulk stuff. We'll get the snacks and the juice boxes and the Gatorade and all that diapers. I'll just get that. Is all it the same order. day? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. awesome. You can pick yeah. the time increments and oh, it's just, it's wonderful. It's so worth it. Totally. They have that Whole Foods, but the suburb that I live in, it's like 40 minutes away from Whole Foods. So I can't do Instacart besides on specific ones. And we don't have an Aldi either. So yeah, darn it. But I'm hoping I'm keeping my fingers crossed for one. Okay. Tangent. (laughs) (laughs) So another bit of terminology is BSR, bestseller ranking. So bestseller ranking is when something is on Amazon, you get a bestseller ranking. So if you're one, you're a top dog. You're making bank, probably millions. If you're 1 million, you're probably not that great, (laughs) depending on which category. But you want to be closer to one. And those are the best-selling products. This is kind of like a blessing and a curse. A blessing in that if you're, you know, under, let's say 2000, you're probably doing pretty good. 
or 1000. I guess it depends on the category. But if someone sees that and they want to get on Amazon too, and they want to knock off your product, then they know which ones are the best sellers. So that's the curse part. Right. Right. Although that ranking can fluctuate very quickly. Mm-hmm. So depending on what day of the week they're looking, <laughs> how many <laughs> sales you got you know, yesterday and how many sales your competitor got yesterday, uh, it's definitely a very important number to be able to compare it compare it to and you can kind of gauge how many, how many sales come depending on the BSR. But it does fluctuate pretty quickly. Yeah, it does. And then like if you run out of inventory, it'll sink but it'll come back pretty fast, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that there's so many things that go into that BSR and that that algorithm that as long as you get your inventory in or you're selling, you don't get too many bad reviews all at once, it will fluctuate constantly, but it'll usually be a pretty good gauge. Absolutely. Okay. So last but not least for demystifying Amazon, I thought it would be fun to go through some terms and conditions that people should think about as they're operating on Amazon. So I think the number one thing that we hear about all the time is do not incentivize your reviews. Like just don't do it. Don't offer free product. Don't say here's where you can find, you know, our stuff. You could do giveaways of course, but not say, Hey, here's where you can place a review. I mean, it's a fine line. It's a whole gray area. So how do you feel about, how do you feel about the incentivized review conditions? I just stay, stay far, far away. Amazon is very, that's a very, very big deal for them because I mean, it's not a newer policy at this point. It's almost two years old now, but beforehand there was no policy in place. And something that Amazon prides itself on is honest reviews from customers so that new customers can make informed decisions on what product they want to buy. And so the you, you just never you never want to incentivize reviews or even hint at incentivizing reviews um, because Amazon will shut you down so fast if they find out anything like that. Or even, you know, all it really takes is a customer to go to Amazon and tell them that and they'll they'll take the customer's word for it. They pretty much always do take the customer's word for it until you can, you know, they'll give you a chance to prove your case, but it's just not worth even messing with. Yeah. That's what's scary, right? Is that a lot of times you'll see, you'll find those really sleazy sellers that will put in a bad review on their competitor just to get them shut down for a little bit. But those are like, I mean, karma's coming to get them. So yeah, just stay away from the incentivized reviews. It is something where they can track the IP addresses, like you know, back when a couple years ago, my sister, when I first started, had put in a review and they removed that so fast. So even if they have an inkling that it's a fake review or if it's an incentivized review or if it's someone who's linked to you somehow, perhaps a Facebook acquaintance, they will remove it even if it's like two years later, you know? Oh yeah. People, I, I have clients all the time that are like, why are my reviews disappearing? You know, I never incentivize anyone. I never did that. It's like, well, did your family member? Did your friend, is somebody that you're connected to online leave a review? And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. So, you know, Amazon knows, they know everything. They know (laughs) who you're connected to. They (laughs) they know who your relatives are and who you associate with online. And, um, you know, if you have, you know, if you've ever logged into your Amazon account, right on another IP address, uh, you know, in another location, anything like that, they know. So don't even don't even bother asking your friends and family for reviews because Amazon will just either they won't approve it or it'll disappear really quickly. 
Yeah. Every single time when I have like a friend of mine say, oh, I can write a review for you. I'm always like, yeah, sure. But at the same time, I'm like, it'll get taken off. You know, I don't actually say that to them because it's sweet of them to even offer, but it will most likely be taken off. It (laughs) will. Yeah. And maybe it'll, maybe it'll live there for like a week or two. And then eventually Amazon will, will find it and And then some other terms and conditions. So do not, for the love of God, bombard your customers with emails after the purchase. Now, this used to not be something where Amazon was policing. And, you know, just like reviews, now they're doing where it's, they've limited it to one email. And that's just to follow up with saying, did you receive it or something? You know, it's just like one email. But people were doing like, 10 email sequences, you know, like, hi, did you leave a review? Hi, did you get your product? Hi, this is about me. Hi, blah, blah, blah. And then too many customers got super annoyed that now it's only limited to one. They'll probably change to zero at some point, honestly, because those emails are not yours to use. That email shows up not as, you know, blah, 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 Gmail shows up as five, four, six, you know, 11 at amazon.com or whatever. So you're going through your their system anyways. But yeah, I mean, it's crazy what people do, right? <laughs> Have you ever received any of those emails? Oh yeah, all the time, all the time I get sellers. And and I still use them. I still use them for my clients just to try to get that initial review. Mm-hmm. More so just to say thank you for your purchase. I do too. And yeah. you know, we are a small business and you know, we we appreciate your you know, your support and all that good stuff. You know, we'd be grateful if you could leave a review, but of course, no, no incentivizing, no promising anything like that. I have seen people get into trouble though with, uh, so if you use a third party like customer service software and you have automated messages going out uh, Mm -hmm. that are going to, so say, you know, you use Zendesk or something and you have it integrated with your Amazon store um, it's great because you can funnel your Amazon customer service, you know, through your Zendesk or whatever software you use. But then a lot of those have like automated responses. So once you write in, there'll be an automated response that says, "We've received your inquiry, and we will get back to you within 24 hours." That's your and one email. <laughs> that, that's your one email. That's that's it, right? And so then, if you actually then go and respond, then that's your second email. Then that's you know, and mm. I've seen some of my clients get dinged before when I didn't know that that's how they had <laughs> set it up. You know, just saying you've been sending too many emails to customers, like. You, you need to stop or, or we're going to shut you down. So they do give you a little notice, but, um, but that can all change. That can all yeah. Change. They, um, I've had the opposite. I've gotten an email about saying you need to respond to your emails instead of, so when somebody emails you, you can put no response needed. You can just click that button. A lot of times I'll send them that initial email saying, Hey, thanks for supporting our business, blah, blah, blah. Here's some tips. And then they'll say, thanks so much. And then I'll put no response needed because I don't need to respond. You're welcome. Right. That's like, so then I was, you know, having a lot of emails that would say no response needed, no response needed. And I got an email saying you must respond more to your customers. And I was like, ah, there is just no winning here. Right. What are you supposed to say? No, thank you. Exactly. So I try to respond with some and I'll be like, you know, my pleasure or whatever. And it'll be like one out of, you know, five or something instead of like no response needed all the time. A lot of times you just get auto responders from them too, you know? Mm -hmm. So they, I'm sure somehow log that too. 
Okay. So another one is another terms and condition thing. You are not allowed to call the customer or show up at their address. So both of those, I don't think anybody's showing up at the address, but people were calling people to survey them. And so when you, you don't actually get somebody's email, but you do get their phone number and their address. And so a seller or two or a million, I'm sure, abused that, right? And now it's revoked. You cannot call the customers for any sort of reason. They must call in if they have a situation or whatever. And so I would be so like when I first heard that strategy about, you know, call your customers, survey them, they will love it because you're doing the extra layer of customer service. I was like, I would be so freaking annoyed. I don't even like to call Domino's to order a pizza. I download the app. It takes me an extra step, but it's worth it. I don't Uh have to talk to anybody. (laughs) For all the purchases, for all of us Amazon junkies who purchase everything on Amazon, could you imagine getting a phone call for every single thing you purchase? My phone would be blowing up all day, every day. (laughs) Yeah. Decline. Decline. (laughs) Yes. Yes, You're right though. Some people did take advantage of that. And, you know, way back when, 10 years ago, people were calling, they were direct mailing people, um, you know, so they were taking whatever information they could from Amazon and using that to target the customers to try to sell them more. And so Amazon got smart and, you know, now you can't do that. Even though you have the information, you can't do that. And I've also noticed that a lot of the reporting um, has left out the addresses, like the specific addresses. So if you pull certain reports now and it didn't used to be this way, it'll give, you know, the name and maybe the city and state for like the tax purposes, but it will take out the actual address and the phone number so that it's more difficult to access. You have to actually go into the customer order in your, you know, seller dashboard to get that information if you needed it. Yeah, you're going to get less and less information. Also, do not try to text those people. Do not put them on a texting list. Just don't do anything with that information. You know, Amazon will (laughs) shut you down so fast. (laughs) So fast. It'll hurt. And then last but not least, do not encourage customers to not leave a bad review. So a lot of times people will say, if you have a problem with your order, please contact us first before you leave a review. Give us a chance to make it right. Now, this is still a gray area, very gray, because they're just starting to get more aware of the fact that sellers are doing this, but it's actually against terms and conditions because you are still swaying a review, even if it is to not leave a bad review and you're trying to make it right. So they make it really hard on you to try to make things right. But Mm -hmm. you know what? It's just the whole review tampering. This is like politics, right? Voter tampering. It really is. It's like you have to be very careful what you say and, you know, make your expectations very clear. You know, if you, if you wanted to include something about leaving a review in that one email that you get, you know, all you can really say is, we'd be so grateful if you could leave an honest review. You can ask for a review, but you can't, like Mina said, you can't say, you know, if something's wrong, contact us first. It is a very gray area. It's not specifically stated in Amazon's terms, you can't do it. But I think that will be one of the next things that gets added to the terms is that, you know, you can't encourage people not to leave negative reviews because that's right. It's still swaying their decision on, on what they're going to do and what they're going to say. 
Yeah, for sure. So Kathleen, that was all the demystifiers that I had. For the last bit of it, I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more about yourself and you know, maybe some fun stuff about your clients and what you can divulge <laughs> <laughs> or what trends you're seeing. Like maybe, you know, like what would you like to share for all of our maybe Amazon sellers out there? Sure. I'm going to share a really brief, abridged version of how I got started and really just how Um, why it's so important that if you're a product-based business that you get onto Amazon. So I started selling on Amazon about 10 years ago and really, you know, I did retail arbitrage. I've done retail arbitrage for a long time, but I really learned as a platform because at the time I had started, I was selling or I was running a company for my uncle who was an internet entrepreneur. So he had started a health supplement company and I was always looking for, you know, the next way to make more money. And so I approached him and asked him if I could sell his health supplements on Amazon. And at the time, you know, like I said, this is probably about seven, eight years ago at this point. Um, So there were way less sellers and health supplements are, they're still competitive, but it's not impossible because I have clients, current clients and past clients that sell health supplements. And um, some people still do very, very well with it. But so I approached him and said, you know, can I try this out? I'm just learning this. And I made it a no brainer for him in that I said, you know, why don't you just pay me a commission on sales? So there's really no... You are brilliant. (laughs) Well, there's, you know, there's no downside for him. And of course he was like, I only have to pay you if you make me money. Great. Let's do that. So we did that. And that was how I learned how to sell on Amazon. And it just, it blew up really big, partly because I was so committed to learning the platform. But the other part was because he already had an existing business. He already had lots of advertising and lots of marketing, driving online traffic. And uh, we also did a lot of direct mail campaigns. So getting catalogs in the mail, you know, running them to a call center, things like that. And so Amazon was like the epitome of the trickle effect of, you know, people would maybe Google the product name or Google the brand name and they would find our Amazon listings and buy from there because they trusted Amazon and they had maybe never heard of the company or the product before. So we ended up doing like between 10 and 20% of the sales we did online on Amazon. So that's like an extra 20% of sales that he would not have had if we hadn't set up that additional sales channel. So that's how I got started. That's how I made a lot of money really quickly because we had this commission agreement. And so, you know, for me, I was like, Amazon's the greatest company in the world. Paid off all my student loans. Still is. It still (laughs) is. It still is. And that's why, that's why I love selling on Amazon and getting the word out to small businesses, especially the product-based businesses. I do work with a few service-based businesses that are building their brand through you know, branded products like t-shirts and coffee mugs and things like that. But if you are in a product-based business, odds are, I mean, you'd want to run the numbers. Handmade isn't and unique things and one-of-a-kind things aren't the greatest to sell on Amazon. But if you sell a product that has scalable inventory, then it's kind of a no-brainer to get on Amazon because you're already marketing your brand and your product and people are probably already searching for you on Amazon. So there's just there's a lot of opportunity and I've seen I've seen that with all of my clients. That's part of the reason why I don't want to say it's easy to sell on Amazon if you already have a product, but it's a lot easier for you as a brand as opposed to someone who is going to go private label a product that they source from China without having the brand and the business already in place before they launch their products on Amazon. 
Yeah. Amazon is growing so, 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 so much. They still are growing a ton. I was listening to, I can't remember what it was, but think about how much room they still have to go, right? So right now there's Amazon Prime and then there's Amazon Now. Well, those warehouse facilities to compete with, let's say Walmart or Target or something, the advantage that those stores, those retail stores are have is the pickup in-store. So those warehouses actually could be pick up at Amazon warehouse eventually, right? So eventually they're just going to be ruling the world is what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Yes. And they already have their hand in so many different things. They have their own shipping company now. Mm -hmm. You get deliveries on Sunday and now they have this program where you can like buy an area and that becomes like your shipping, like you're the delivery person for that area. It's kind of like uh, what's it's like a fulfillment center. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a, but it's it's the shipping and it's the delivery part. So it's like you're claiming the territory. This is a very new program, but you can buy into it and then claim a particular territory, and then like you run that territory if anyone has deliveries there. That's so awesome. Oh, you mean the drivers? The drivers, yeah. 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 So it's like an Uber driver for Amazon. They have that in a bunch of cities already. Um, I forgot the flex flex drivers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd be making money, making deliveries, and that would be way better than driving people around, I would think. Right. Right? You don't have to listen to stories or do Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So you would become the Amazon driver, which would be awesome. So tell everybody where they can find you, Kathleen. You can find me at cobelconsulting.com. It's K-O-B-E-L consulting.com. And that's where uh, that has all the information about my agency and the different services we offer, uh, whether you're a small business and you just want to know if Amazon's a good fit for you, or if you know Amazon's a good fit and you're like, I just want someone else to do it for me, my team and I, we we do everything for you or you can consult with me and I'll show you how to do it too. So uh, that's my primary site. And then I do actually teach this now. I've, I've seen how big of a need there is out there for people who know how to sell on Amazon, who are willing to offer it as a service, like how I do. There's not a ton of people doing that, but there's a lot of businesses who need help with that. So whether it's you know hiring an employee or hiring a virtual assistant or a contractor or something like that. So I basically taken all the information and what I teach my team how to do and turn it into a membership site so that other people can come learn, you know, what's the quickest, most direct way to get your product on Amazon and how to be successful with that. And that website is called mastersofmarketplace.com. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So Kathleen, really quick, we're going to do some rapid fire questions. We do this at the end of every single interview. This was kind of more of a chat versus an interview, but I think it'd be fun to hear your answers. All okay. Right. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your coffee order? I don't drink coffee. (laughs) We get this all the time. (laughs) Nobody drinks coffee nowadays. (laughs) But I love a good chai tea latte. Are you into pumpkin spice? It's like big news around here. (laughs) Then it's back. Yeah, not not really. (laughs) No, I'm really boring when it comes to this. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite thing on your desk? My favorite thing on my desk is probably my microphone, which I don't have right now. My microphone, because it makes me sound so much better. (laughs) (laughs) So which one did you get? I got the ATR 2100. That's what I'm using. Did you get it on Amazon? I sure did. (laughs) You should have used my affiliate link. (laughs) (laughs) Send it to me so I can order my next stuff on there. (laughs) 
Okay. Third question. Do you have an alter ego? An alter ego? Um, kind of. I guess besides my mom alter ego, I I am used to be a musician, kind of am a musician. I play piano and I was in a rock band and um, oh that's, that's kind you of my alter ego. vibe actually. <laughs> okay. So last question. We always say uh, we heard that entrepreneur years are very much like dog years. And so what would you say to baby Kathleen, you know, that first started her journey with her uncle or even before that, maybe what would you say to her now that you're deep into your journey? I would say niche down quicker. Um, you know, we all go through that process where we're not quite sure what we're going to do, but like, we think we know what we should be doing, but we want to reach everyone. And when you try to reach everyone, you're really reaching no one. And so it's a scary thing to like niche down and say, well, I just serve this one I just serve this one person, this one ideal client, um, because then it closes the doors on all these other people that you may want to help or you know may be able to benefit from your services. But when you focus on that one particular, you know whether you want to call it your ideal client or avatar or whatever, you focus on that one person. And as soon as I started doing that, I mean, I just got I booked solid. I mean, it was very clear what I was offering. I was getting yeses nine out of ten times on sales calls and. Uh, I mean, as a result, I still have a very full, very full client load and there's a wait list. So as soon as you decide what's that one thing you want to be known for and get really good at, the sooner you can do that, the sooner you're going to see success with your business. Yeah, I could not agree more. I think that it's scary for people because they think they're shutting off those opportunities. Mm -hmm. But I like to say that it's still a door, right? A door that someone can open. So you're pushing out to that one niche, but you think you're closing off all these doors, but those people can still open that door, right? That's how a door works. So (laughs) they can still open it. You can decide, am I going to let you in? You know? So it's not really like you're closing off that door permanently and you're not willing to work with them. It's just that you're focusing in on those specific people and then it's you're just able to find those people quicker and then they might have alternate needs or you know services that they want you to fulfill. Absolutely. So, you, can also, you can always expand. You can always mm-hmm. say, sure, I can do that for you too, but you just have to have one thing. And that's the reason why people are coming to you. They may want you for other stuff, but it's got to be the one particular thing um, that you're offering them. Yeah, for sure. Love that. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kathleen. And we'll talk to you later. Thank you. This episode is over, but it doesn't have to end. Head over to our Facebook group, search for the Product Boss Biz Community, or the link is also in the show notes. Come connect with other product bosses just like you. We'll see you in there.